You only have so much time. And you have a big assignment. I want the entire world to hear the gospel in my generation. I want every person on this planet to be saved. We open God's Word today together to be subject to it, to be taught by it, to be instructed. Let's go. What you're saying right now is, how did we get here? Well, because people do not believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. Is ultimately, that's where it is. Yep. Being Reformed is more than just affirming the five solas. It's more than just affirming Tula. No one is outside the reach of Christ and His blood. If we are truly Reformed, there should be a sanctification, a desire to be sanctified by Christ, by holding onto as tight as we can the one who makes us white as snow. You can no more born yourself again than you born yourself the first time. Just so that you guys don't think we're just pulling stuff out of our cans here. Welcome to Matter of Theology. Uh, we have got a pretty, pretty intense show today. Uh, we're going to be talking about worship, but we're going to be looking at a song that has gained tremendous popularity um, when you listen to it, it's easy to see why, because it's upbeat, it's a feel-good song, but the theology behind it is absolutely wrong. The song is Reckless Love, and we're going to be talking about how reckless love leads to reckless worship. Um, so it, it's me, AG, it's Chris, we're here discussing uh, worship, and more specifically, this song. So, Chris, this is a song that everyone wants to sing, everyone loves. What's the problem with this song? Man, this song, um, I'll say this. I, I, when I first heard about this song, I didn't hear the song first. I actually heard um, the writer of the song, um, a guy by the name of Corey Asprey. And yes, I'm going to name names. And yes, I... Uh, in this uh, episode, I'm going to be very, very frank. Um, uh, and just a disclaimer as we begin, um, this fires me up. Um, and the reason that it fires me up is because of what the Lord has called me to do in my life, which uh, is to be first and foremost a pastor. Um, and, and then secondly, right now, it's through leading worship in song, musical worship. And so when I first heard about this song, there was a, a church that I used to be involved in, and uh, the person who led worship after I left, uh, they were introducing this song, and there was a debate amongst the worship team about how they didn't like the word reckless when it comes to the love of God, um, which we're going to get into that, um, which you wrote something and put it on our Facebook page, which I loved, and I'd love for you to share that today. But, um, you know, the, the, the person was defending the song with an actual quote that Corey Asprey um, uh, said in his defense of the song. And immediately I knew, regardless of what it sounded like musically, um, I was not going to like it because um, of what he said 
and um, and I'll just read it to you. Um, and uh, this is what he said. Quote, when I use the phrase, the reckless love of God, I'm not saying that God himself is reckless. I am, however, saying that the way he loves is in many regards quite so. What I mean is this. He is utterly unconcerned with the consequences of his actions with regards to his own safety, comfort, and well-being. His love isn't crafty or slick. It's not cunning or shrewd. In fact, all things considered, it's quite childlike. And might I even suggest some sometimes downright ridiculous. His love bankrupted heaven for you. His love doesn't consider himself first. His love isn't selfish or self-serving. He doesn't wonder what he'll gain or lose by putting himself out there. He simply gives himself away on the off chance that one of us might look back at him and offer ourselves in return. Now, there's so much wrong in that one statement. Um, where to even begin? So so first, let, let's say, um, well, Chris... He's not saying God is reckless. He's saying the way he loves is reckless. Well, God's love is not childlike. Our love and our response to being regenerated, and sorry about the noise. If you guys hear the noise, we're getting ready for a youth service tonight. So this is live happening in person right now. So uh, that's what all that noise is in the background. But going back to this, his love is not childlike. God's love, the Father's love, um, is not our response is to... Um, have that childlike affection uh, for the Lord. You know, I have a, a, a almost three-year-old son who, when I come home every day and he sees me, it's it's that running to me, it's that jumping in my arms, and it's that kind of love that we are to have uh, for the Father. But God's love itself is not reckless; it is not childlike. And and then he says that he's utterly unconcerned with the consequences of his actions in regards to his own safety, comfort, and well-being. God's number one concern is his own glory. That is riddled throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament. So to say that is flat out wrong. His love isn't crafty or slick. It's not cunning or shrewd. In fact, all things considered quite childlike. We already talked about that. And then... Of course, he he gets to the the portion that I just, my jaw dropped when he said he simply gives himself away on the off chance that one of us might look back at him and offer ourselves in return. Yeah, That's open theism. Yes, dig into that because on just the phrase, on the off chance that he might... So, so, so that's so that right there is saying, and immediately, and, and all this is running through my mind before I even crack open scripture, and I'm just going, well, no, that's not right. That that would mean that God is not sovereign, that He's not in control, and you already tackled the Todd White uh, issue. One of the things that Todd White, who's a big part of Bethel and with Kenneth Copeland, and we're not even going to get into all that right now, but I mean, one of the big things there is that he tries to say that God is not sovereign. And in control on the off chance, that's not the way salvation works. You know, I was listening to a message um, from a, a previous church the other day, and the pastor was like, if you want to today pray and accept Christ so that he can regenerate you, that's not the way regeneration happens. It's the salvation is a work of God. It is Jesus is the one who saves. The Holy Spirit is the one who regenerates and gives us the faith. 
to be able to respond to him. You know, he doesn't sit up there in our introduction. We have Vody Bakum going, he's longing for you. Right, yeah. He's yearning for you. That is not it mm. at all. And so I'm thinking about all this and I'm hearing about all of this way before I ever even listened to the song itself. Um, and, and so that, that brings me to a major point here. Um, and I want to, uh, my desire, and I know yours is as well, as well as Nick and, and, um, and us here at Four Points, we don't play Bethel songs right. um, because they're heretics, Yes. period, yes. paragraph. Um, they are, they do not believe in the deity of Christ. Corey Asprey affirms that by this statement that he said in public, um, they don't believe in the inerrancy of scripture. And that's just two of yeah. the major things yeah. um, and uh, about Bethel that is just so wrong and so dangerous. Right. So now let's look into that part because I've talked to friends who follow Todd White, who follow Bethel, and I've told them, I've said, they hold to an Aryan view right. of Jesus, but they'll send me a link to their webpage or something that says that they believe in the deity of Christ. So, so in what way are they heretics looking at the, their Aryan view of Jesus? Well, they believe that Jesus was a created being. Um, you know, uh, Ligonier Ministries did a, a study recently um, called State of Theology. And one of the questions in there was, um, you know, do you believe that Jesus was the first and highest created being of God? Uh, and it was, I don't remember the exact number, but it was well over 60% of uh, these thousands of people that they surveyed um, affirmed that that they believed that. Um, and that is that Aryan view of, of, uh, of Christ. And what, what that means is they believe that he was a good person, that he was a created man. Uh, that did not receive any of his deity until after his baptism, when uh, when Scripture says that the Holy Spirit came upon him. Um, uh, so that's the, it's 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 way improper hermeneutics, um, uh, and and honestly, it's 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 of of the devil. I just got to put it out there, and and you don't so. have to look very hard to find clips of Todd White saying. Jesus did not do what he did as God. He did it as man in right relationship with the Father. Now, what that means is the goal of that is to say that because you, if you are in right relationship with the Father, you can therefore do what Jesus did. It's an elevation of man. You uh, you don't have to look very far to find clips of, uh, what's it called? Bill Johnson. <laughs> that, that says Jesus had to be born again. I'm sorry, but Jesus did not have to be born again because he's God come in the flesh. Only God can do what he did. Only God can uh, fulfill the righteous requirement of God. Only God can endure the wrath of God. Mm. So uh, Jesus did not do what he did just as man. Now his, his humanity is important. Because, because he must be made like us in order to represent us, right? Um, but his deity is also vitally important. Extremely. So that's that's what we call the hypostatic union, that God is 100% man and he is 100% God. So now uh, when we get uh, back to reckless love, so so we, uh, 
we, we look at kind of the ministries and Corey Asbury, he started out as a, as an IHOP guy, international house of prayer. Yeah. But there, there's really no difference between IHOP and Bethel. I no. mean, I mean, Bill Johnson and Mike Bickle are, I mean, they're like BFFs. Okay. They, they, they do all the same conferences together. Uh, Corey Asbury, I think now is a part of Bethel music. Um, but so, so when Corey speaks of God, he's not talking about the God of Scripture. No. But here's the catch. People will say he uses Scripture in his songs. He talks about how, how, how he leaves the 99 for the one. How is that wrong? He's using Scripture. Well, Scripture is very clear that, that Satan is a better theologian than any of us ever will be. Um, meaning that that the enemy knows scripture, um, and uh, and he uses that, um, and and this is this is one of those um, this is one of those moments. Um, you know, he's referencing uh, that 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 lyric in there is referencing a parable, um, and uh, and a parable to express the love of Christ, the love of God um, uh, to those to the elect. Uh, to those who he will reach out and regenerate. Um, but that doesn't mean that he just leaves the 99 untended. Um, no, he goes and gets the one that brings it back, brings him back. Um, so, and, and that's, what's interesting about this song is when you listen to the song itself, um, you know, I saw a, a meme the other day that said reckless <laughs> singing, reckless love equals reckless theology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the hard part about is about this is, is it's poison. All of Jesus culture, yeah. all of Bethel music, and and I don't hesitate by saying the word all, the words all, um, because their whole goal is to draw you in. Music yeah. is a vehicle, right? Music yeah. is a vehicle that hits our emotions, and that's one of the reasons that and we're going to get into this here in a few minutes. But when Jesus is speaking to uh, the woman in John chapter four, um, when he starts talking about worship in spirit and in truth, um, you know that music hits our emotion um, and spirit there is lowercase because it's our spirit it's our emotion um, you know but it's it's extremely dangerous because I mean th- man if you if you just read the lyrics of the song of reckless love it talks about the chosen so it it sounds almost reformed right um, it's not um, at all um, and and if I may be so bold um, I would have serious questions, not saying that this is the truth, but I would have serious questions whether or not the writer of this song is even a believer Mm. Um, because of the fruit that you see. Um, So I I, I ultimately don't know the answer to that question. I don't know his heart. Mm. Uh, That's between he and the Lord. Um, But the things that he says would lead me to believe, man, where's, where's the focus on the truth? Right. So, I kind of want to get into the reason, um, uh, the reasons uh, to stay away from Bethel. Um, you know, Bethel is John MacArthur says this in his in his book Worship, uh, Worship the Ultimate Priority. Um, this is all on page one fifty three. Um, he calls the the kind of worship um, that engages so much of the spirit, uh, but is not based on the truth. He calls it enthusiastic heresy. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, I, I was asked a question, uh, recently, um, at an event, um, there was an event, uh, here in town where, um, 
where four of the six or so songs that were played were, were Bethel or Mosaic. And, um, you know, someone said, man, didn't you feel the spirit's presence? And, um, and, and when you looked around the room, there was a lot of response, emotional response happening. A lot of, and, and please hear my heart. I'm not saying that, 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 that people weren't truly worshiping the right, Lord. Yeah. Um, but as far as whether or not the Holy Spirit was there and took pleasure and, um, and, and, and it brought a smile to the Lord's face that, that these, that these kids were singing these songs again, that's between them and the Lord. But, but from what I see in scripture, um, when Jesus said to the woman in John four, and, and again, I think we, anybody listening to this podcast, you probably heard, um, these passages, um, where Jesus, uh, is, is talking to the woman. He says, in starting in verse 22, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father is seeking such people to worship him. Um, and again, spirits lowercase for a reason because it's about our spirit. Um, and, um, but it has to be based on the truth. Um, you know, sincerity, enthusiasm, and aggressiveness, John MacArthur says are important, but they must be based on the truth and truth is foundational, um, to our worship. It has to be. Um, so, uh, the, the issue here that we find with corporate worship in today's world, as far as even in, like in our country, um, and even overseas, I, I just saw something on, on social media about a Bethel training conference happening yeah. in Africa. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, yeah, they just did a conference also in Australia uh, or New Zealand. Man, like it's, it's dangerous y'all. It's, it's, it's poison wrapped in candy. It's, little little bits of truth just sprinkled in and it draws you in, but it's not based on what I see in scripture. That is not the Lord's favor is not upon that. Now. So what do you say to someone who says, but don't you, don't you see the young people getting involved in wanting to worship Jesus? Two things about that. Um, the, the Lord can use, uh, just like he said to Joseph, when, when Joseph was sold into slavery, uh, and, and, and the response was what you meant for evil, the Lord has used for good. And that is absolutely true. The Holy spirit can use whatever Avenue mm. and whatever entry point he wants to, to bring someone into the invisible church, to be a part of the elect. Mm. But that doesn't mean that we as believers just turn a blind eye. Mm. Um, and I would say to, uh, to people who have said that to them, man, don't you see, man, you ready for these young people to be worshiping and you ready to see this and this is happening and they're interested in it. I would say that's great. Um, but what, a couple of things, what are we doing as leaders in the church mm-hmm. to properly equip the saints for the works of service mm-hmm. and to encourage them to be Bereans, to be sober minded, to yeah. be diligent in their study and search of scripture and to test everything. Yeah. And we talked about it on our disclaimer. It's not that we are heresy hunters. Somebody got me a shirt as a joke that says, <laughs> heresy hunter with a, a hammer and a nail uh, symbolizing Martin Luther, of course, nailing the 95 theses to on the door of the, the church in Wittenberg. But, um, but that's not it. But, but, and, and I said this in our disclaimer, but the information and things travel so fast and so quickly that we, it, it's constantly at our doorstep. To, so to those people who are worshiping, Hey, that's great. Take that enthusiasm 
and that diligence and, and, and oh, I just can't wait to be in the Spirit's presence and to worship Jesus. Take that and, and, and that needs to translate into your love for God's Word and your love for truth. Um, and, and that's the whole reason that you and I and Nick are starting this, or have started this podcast is our love for the truth and, and we, we see a need to have these conversations and to, um, to admonish anyone who hears the sound of our voice to be Bereans. Don't just believe what you and I and what Nick may say at any time on this podcast, but test what we say, but test what you're listening to. And I've had people say, well, Chris, shouldn't the songs just stand on their own? That was going to be my next question. Yeah. What do you do do when a song, um, because I think you would agree that places like Bethel and IHOP, Hillsong, they do have songs that you can defend from scripture. Sure. Right. So what do you, what do you do about a song standing on its own merits? It can't. Um, it, 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 can a song be redeemable? Absolutely. Um, could, could you or I, um, as we know the truth of scripture, um, hear a song like reckless love and, um, well, could we conceivably worship the worship the Lord through that? Maybe. And the reason I say maybe is because now knowing what we know, right, and hearing yeah. what we hear about these closed-handed theological issues, the deity of Christ, the inerrancy of Scripture, the the the, I mean those 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 issues that that are gospel issues that you can't that's heresy, mm-hmm. you can't get around it. Uh, now knowing that, I, I don't I don't want to I don't want it anywhere in my mind. Right. You know, worship starts in the mind. Mm-hmm. It isn't our hearts are deceitfully wicked above all. Our doxology has to be informed by our theology. That's Matt Boswell. Um, he has a book, Doxology and Theology. He does a conference, Doxology and Theology, and that's the whole premise uh, behind it. And so, no, a song can't stand on its own merit. Um, a thing that I would add to that is if you take a song from one of these ministries, knowing what you know, and you say, well, this song, I believe, stands on its own merits, it, we can defend it from Scripture. Okay, now what do you say to the Mormon who brings in a song that you read it? You exactly. don't know it's written by exactly. a Mormon, but you read it, and it appears as though it can stand on its own merits. It can be defended by Scripture. Are you still going to sing it? No. Exactly, because you know where it comes from. You know what Mormonism teaches. Right. So you're not going to bring that, even though the song on its own theoretically could stand on its own merits you know where it comes from you're not going to bring it in right. because it's talking about a false jesus correct man and that's it you know what's interesting and we all have entry points and we all have starting points and and i've been asked about this so much recently um because i've been outspoken about it um it's it's difficult because there are so many uh there's so many songs out there um that are not popular in the evangelical realm of contemporary worship. Um, but, but a song can't stand on its own merit. I mean, especially when, when there are major issues uh, being said and, and, and being thrown out there. Um, you know, now, uh, it, 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 it's hard. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what else to say other than um, it's, it's difficult because the thing about Bethel and Jesus culture is musically, phenomenal yeah absolutely excellent that's what made me start to get into doing worship music 
the church I was at, charismatic church, played Bethel, played IHOP, played Hillsong, and I wanted to play those riffs on guitar. Right. And that's what brought me into the worship team right. uh, when I first got started. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and what's interesting about that is, uh, you know, there was a there was a very very large conference here in the Atlanta area at the beginning of January, uh, the Passion Conference, and um, I, I listened to the live stream. And for those of you who know me, know and know my background with Passion and Passion City Church, and um, have a lot of friends that still go there or are involved there, and. I used to love that type of worship that stirred the emotions that, um, that, but it, you know, the songs themselves, it was shallow. Yeah. And now personally, personally, I find myself, um, just going to, I, I want something that stimulates my mind mm-hmm. and, um, and I don't want, I, I want to be constantly reminded of the gospel, mm-hmm. all of the gospel. Of the gospel. Um, and, and so, you know, everybody's in different places. Um, so, but, but, my, but the whole point of talking about this is, is a warning to anybody who would hear our voices. Um, you know, Jesus said, um, that if we want to follow him, we have to take up our cross yeah. and follow him. We have to die to ourselves. And, um, that's difficult. That's very, very difficult to do. Um, and I've had to do that with my own in my own personal walk with um, with the worship songs that I listen to. Um, worship is not about us. Right. Um, worship is about giving praise to the one who created and saved us. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people about worship songs, and their response is, "It makes me feel good." It's always about how it makes them feel. Well, and that, that reminds me of a quote I sent to you yesterday. Uh, a guy named Stephen Charnock, he, he wrote this. He said, to pretend a, a homage to God and intend only the advantage of self is rather to mock him than worship him. When we believe that we ought to be satisfied rather than God glorified, we set God below ourselves and imagine that he should submit his own honor to our advantage. We make ourselves more glorious than God. That's the chief hindrance to worshiping God, worshiping God in spirit is to set ourselves, our needs, our advantages, our blessings above God. And that is not what scripture teaches that worship should be about in any way, shape, or form. Right. And and you can see that in there there was an interview that Todd White did where he says heaven went bankrupt for you, which means you must be valuable. How valuable are you that heaven went bankrupt for you? And completely missing the point. It's yeah. not about me. It's about glory to God. Well we're singing a song tonight for, for the students here at Four Points. Um Jesus loves me. Mm-hmm. Um, and f- that that is an important truth for us to remember. Yes. That we are valued. Mm-hmm. That Jesus did die in our place. What amazing love. It's not reckless. It is, and I'm gonna I want you to read that here in a second. So that's an important truth to remember. Um, but that's not the first truth that needs to be remembered, and that's not the only truth that needs to be remembered. So our worship 
Now, just taking worship as a whole, how are we to come to worship in a worship service? So are we just to to put the instruments down and sing hymns? Are we just to use the organ? You know, uh, what types of songs are we supposed to sing? Um, how are we to come to worship? Well, um, well, first of all, if, if we come to church to worship instead of coming to church worshiping, we've missed it. Mm-hmm. Worship is a way of life. Um, uh, for, for some good resources on that, um, check out, I mentioned it already, uh, Worship the Ultimate Priority by John MacArthur. Uh, I mean, you guys can't see this book, but Drew can. This book's worn. This book is... Uh, it, yeah, it looks it, like it's got some good use. Yeah, um, and, uh, and, and it's because something it's something that I go back to time and time again because worship isn't just... It isn't just something we do on Sundays, and it isn't just the musical portion of the service. Right. Worship is all of it centralized, and it has to be centralized around the preaching and proclamation of the gospel through God's word. Um, So that's what it must be. So going back to your question, uh, Josh Bice uh, said this. I I love this. He said, singing the gospel is an integral part of corporate worship, and we must prioritize opportunities to increase the way we gather together and sing the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of the gospel songs that encapsulate the grandeur and the grace of God, as Chris Tomlin says, um, and um, but uh, we need to be very, very careful because there's so many songs out there that are so vague and ambiguous. Yes. And yeah. and John Calvin said, ambiguity is the fortress of heretics. Right. And when you look at Bethel and you look at their songs and the way that the lyrics are written, it's very ambiguous. Yes. Which is why they can sing about King Jesus and completely deny the deity of right. Christ being truly God and truly man. I think there's a problem. If I can take one of their songs and sing it to my wife, there, there's an issue. Right? Yeah, yeah. Or if you could take, I mean, if you could take any any corporate worship song, any song written with, under the 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 guise of, of being worship a worship song, if you could take it and sing it in a church that's a Jehovah's Witness church, a Mormon church. Um, not uh, an Orthodox Jewish church, um, something like that. Seriously have to go, what is that doing to equip the saints for the works of service? You know, I'm reading through Colossians and Ephesians right now. Um, And there's a section in both of those, um, in Ephesians 5 and then again in Colossians 3, uh, that talks about how we are uh, to sing. And, it, and, and, and this is how that verse starts in verse 16, Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, now Nick preached on this uh, for the youth, I think last summer. Um, and he said something that was so profound, I loved it. He said, when we sing in corporate work, when we gather together corporate worship and we sing verbally the rich theology of God, we're ministering to those around us. Correct. And those around us are ministering to us. Absolutely. Because we need the God. Even though we're believers, we're, we're in Christ, we need the gospel as well and we need ministry. Yeah. Um, Paul Washer um, uh, had a quote. Uh, he, he put this on Twitter. Um, a few weeks ago uh, where he talked about, uh, here it is. Um, He said a first look, a quote, first look 
end quote, of faith at the gospel saves us, but an ongoing look at mm-hmm. the gospel will transform us and conform us into the increasing measure to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm just Second Corinthians 3.18. Yeah. Um, but man, that is, that is so very true. Um, it has to be, I mean, Jesus says spirit and in truth. So with our spirit, everything we've got enthusiastically, energetically, uh, you know, cause I know a lot of people who, uh, who, who they're just like, I just, I just can't get into singing and there's no, there is no spirit response. There is no emotional response where they're just almost fundamentalists in the way that they worship because they gather all this information and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah but it doesn't do anything in their expression and adoration of Jesus, um, which is very, very important. Um, you know, you asked about styles. Um, there's a still a huge debate about styles mm-hmm. in church and yeah. uh, whether you have guitars or drums or an organ or, or piano and, and, and hymnals versus words on the screen. And um, you could go either way on that. Ultimately, what what is the content of what you're singing? to to 
defend what he says. He's going to be able to point me to scripture and say, here, check it out. Right. Right. And, and, and that's it. I mean, it's, it's, it's dangerous times we're living in and, 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 and we should take it more seriously than we do from not just from a leadership standpoint, but as a believer, like we're commanded in scripture, commanded to test, commanded to diligently search the scripture. Be, I've said it multiple times, be a Berean. Um, and that's, that, that, that's the whole goal of talking about this, um, and, and continuing to talk about this. Um, because I mean, songs like this are going to continue to be put out. They're going to be continued to be played in churches. They're going to win awards. Yeah. Reckless Love won the Dove Award mm-hmm. for the best worship song of the year. And it's not a worship song. When, and not that it's about the accolades, and I guarantee you, I, I've heard Matt Boswell, Matt Papa, um, the Gettys. It's not about that. But none of those, this, the modern hymns that are being written with depth and and, and, and labor with these rich theology, with this rich theology in those lyrics are not even being looked at. And, yeah. um, but you know, Jesus said that wide is the path that leads to destruction and narrow is the gate that leads to life. And, and, um, honestly, the more I've studied scripture and the more I've allowed scripture to be my filter, mm-hmm. as far as the worship songs that I listen to, or the songs that we do here at four points, um, or the songs, if I have the opportunity to lead worship anywhere, the songs that I choose, um, is is the filter is going to be God's word? Um, it it has to be. That's that's again commanded in, in all of Scripture. So, um, yeah. A lot of ministries have come through, and they've said their biggest issue with this song is the word reckless. Right. Um, but as as we've been talking about, obviously it goes deeper than just that one word. But let's talk about that word reckless. Now, there's many adjectives that you can use to describe God's love. Right. All right. You can use uh, restless because it's never still. Right. It doesn't stop. You can use relentless Mm. because it is always in pursuit. That's right. You can use words like precious because there, there is no other love like it. Right. Our love does not compare to God's love. Right, our love changes with with our situations and whatever we're going through, but God's love is always consistent. It's precious. There's none like it. Mm. Right, but one thing God's love is not is reckless. Right, all right. So uh, God, in eternity past, all right, he 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 planned and decreed that Christ would come as the sacrifice for sin. For, for people who sinned against the holy God. This was planned and decreed. I mean, Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Well, the word reckless defined in the dictionary is, a, is, uh, is a, of a person or, or their actions without thinking or caring about the consequences of that action. And, and here are some synonyms of the word reckless. Rash, careless, thoughtless, incautious, heedless, unheeding, inattentive, hasty, overhasty, uh, uh, precipitous, uh, impetuous, impulsive, daredevil, um, devil may care, hot-headed. Again, I go back to the John Calvin quote. Ambu- ambiguity or vagueness mm. is the fortress of heretics. Mm. Insert 
Bethel Church, Jesus Culture. Mm. <laughs> I mean, Sorry. <laughs> I get a little fired up about this, and, yeah. and, and I'm not, I don't know. I had someone say to me, well, you know, what makes you think you know any better than them? Um, and it's not that I think that I know any better because of anything that I've done. Right. When we are regenerated, justified by faith alone and Christ alone because of what we have seen, the grace alone, for God's glory alone, mm-hmm. right? The five solas by script, by scripture. So when I see that and I've been justified and given the ability to be sanctified and to understand the word mm-hmm. and I read the word of God for myself and allow the Holy Spirit to use that double-edged sword as Nick talked about mm-hmm. in one of our other episodes to pierce my heart, this is what I see in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and And... When you hear something or see something that you know is off, it's like it's something inside of me is yelling, this is not okay. And that's called discernment. Yes. Um, and ultimately what you see, because you study scripture, you read scripture as every Christian should do, because if we are in relationship with God, the only way to know God is through reading his word. Um, if we're doing that, when we listen to these songs, when we read these lyrics— it's easy to point out that the people who write these songs don't read scripture. They don't study their Bible. Instead, I, I'm willing to bet that they hang out on a few passages that make them feel good. They don't go any further. Or, or um, they, and, the, and Bethel has done this. They have their own translation of scripture. Yeah. It's called the Passion Translation. Mm-hmm. Chad Veach read from the Passion Translation during his sermon at Passion 2019. I was flabbergasted um, that that was allowed. Um, but we won't get into that right now. Yeah, I think that's, that is one I think we should get into. Um, yeah. I know I've been probably wanting to get a Passion Translation just so we can put side by side uh, what it says with an ESV or an NASB. Um, just so, just so y'all can hear the difference um, in what it says, yeah. because there's parts where it just goes off into left field. Yeah. And what it is is, I believe the the guy who did it is Brian Simmons. Yes. I think that's his, yeah, name. That's his name. And he's a linguist. He he's done. He's translated the Bible into m- many different languages. Right. Uh, so when he did this, he added a lot of things to Scripture. He added a lot of what he thought the scripture was saying. And that's a problem. Yeah, and he took away a lot. Um, Which my mind immediately goes to Galatians. Um, You know, when when that happens is, and Paul was very, very crystal clear. Um, And and this is, this is what, this is what, uh, this is what fires me up. And this is, um, when I start talking about this with people, um, I do, I get, I get very emotional. I'm not very emotional. I say emotional, I'm not very emotional because these, excuse me, see in scripture, he says, uh, in Galatians starting in verse six, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting, des- deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel should heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed, anathema, damned. Think about that. Yes. Um, as we have said before, verse 9. So now I say again, 
If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be anathema. Yes. You know, Jude, Thessalonians, um, huge warnings about the apostasy that is taking place and is going to take place and, and is happening right now. And this is an example of that. Um, you know, uh, A.W. Tozer said that the, that the the highest thing about, I can't remember the exact quote right now, but the highest thing about us, the most important thing about us, that, that's what it is, yeah. is what we think about when we think about God, yeah. how we worship the Lord. And so if we just are just like, oh yeah, you know what? I don't care about the teachings of Bill Johnson. I just like the music of Bethel. You're not getting the gospel. You're not singing the gospel. You're not reminding yourself. And ultimately, you are not worshiping through songs that the Lord has said yes to. Right. Because of their theology. And it's, it's important. It is crucial. When a song comes out, we get a song on the radio, hear it for the first time. We go, man, I like that. Mm. What do we do? What's, what's, what's some things that we should do? Uh, to, to find out whether this song is right or the, or the ministry behind it? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, um, are, are, the, are the lyrics biblical? Mm. Uh, number one, is, is the theology in them correct? Number one. Um, uh, and then number two, um, and we, ha- we have to look at this. We have to go, okay, well, who, who wrote the song? Who did it? Who, who wrote it? Um, and, uh, and what do they believe? What have they said publicly uh, about, uh, about the gospel? Um, and so that, that's, that's what I do. Um, and that's, um, and, and I didn't get that. I didn't come up with that. I didn't, uh, th- th- those are people that I, I, I trust, um, who have been, uh, walking with the Lord and, and doing what, what I do as far as uh, leading worship through song, um, for a lot longer than I have. Um, uh, that, that, that's what they do as well. And so we, we hear a song and we go, man, I like that. But then we have, we have to ask that question of who wrote the song prime example okay um i had the opportunity to sing in the choir at passion 2015 um and this was this was uh, january early january of 2015 my son uh, was due to be born um at the end of the month he ended up coming on february 1st um and i was in a job where i was bivocational at the time uh or i was working in a job in the mortgage industry and the mortgage industry can be feast or famine um, and it was a famine time. And so I'm just having this moment where, where I'm wrestling with fear. I'm, uh, am I going to be a good dad? How am I going to, what can I instill in my son to point him to Jesus while realizing that his salvation has nothing to do yeah. with me? Um, and then how are we going to pay the bills? And I'm just wrestling with all of this stuff. And, uh, Tomlin steps up to the mic, um, during one of the sessions and starts singing, uh, a song called No Longer Slaves. I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I'm a child of God. And I needed to express, I needed to worship God in that way as a reminder. But for me, and in, in, in the Lord's faithfulness and his grace through the study of his word, I was able to go, I'm no longer a slave to fear, and fear is sin. Um, and, and I was able to worship through that song. I had no idea who wrote that song at the time. Mm. 
no clue at all. I'd never heard it. I got, we got back to the green room. I asked one of the guys that, that was leading the choir. I said, Hey man, is that a song that Chris wrote for the conference? Cause typically with passion, they got, they get together and write right. a bunch of new songs. And he said, no, that's a Bethel song. And <laughs> if you've been listening this entire time, knowing what you now know about me and how I feel about that, my heart kind of sank a little bit. And I was like, man, I like a Bethel song. Um, and, um, so it was one of those things that once I knew that about that song, I, I, it was, it was difficult for me as I, and at the time I didn't know how, how, how much heresy, uh, was out there. And by the way, if you guys want a great resource, a trusted resource, uh, a couple of them, just two of them, uh, that they're, uh, well, more than two actually, but the two books that I have read. Um, that deals specifically with this is a book called Defining Deception Great. by uh, 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 Pastor Costi uh, Hen. Costi Hen. And Costi uh, Hen is the nephew of Benny Hen, mm-hmm. uh, but through the Lord's grace and faithfulness was saved out of that movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a guy named Anthony Wood. Um, and it is a wonderfully written book, uh, chock full of scripture and truth, but it is specifically written to warn people about the dangers of Bethel and uh, the extreme charismatic and Pentecostal movement. And the great thing about this book is it doesn't just just harp on Bethel and charismatic. He takes you through the history. Yeah, he, he goes, takes yes. you through how it's the how it got generals and mm-hmm. and all. It, it's it's a wonderfully researched and well written book. Uh, and then the second one um, that I'm almost done with, it's actually taken me a few years to read it just because I, I'll put it down and read something else and then pick it back up, is Strange Fire yep. uh, by John MacArthur. Um, so. now, now, I read Strange Fire. Um, it's a great book. I, I used it as a source in a paper I had to write about the charismatic gifts. Now, at the time, I was in the charismatic church, and I, oh, I mean, wow. I was in it. But I also love John MacArthur's teachings because he's a solid Bible teacher. Yeah. Um, and, and when I heard about the Strange Fire Conference, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But I, I wanted to get this book because I wanted to see what he had to say. I picked it up, and I loved it. Yeah. Even at the time, I was like full bore, uber charismatic, okay? <laughs> I'm talking about I'm praying for words of knowledge for people and stuff and laying healing hands on people. Okay, I'm reading John MacArthur's book, and I go... I love this book, you know, and and that was one of the things that actually kind of started opening my eyes to bringing me out of that movement. Sure. I, um, uh, my, my, my mother-in-law, um, well, my wife and her family, they grew up in, in Valencia, California, um, at Grace Community Church, which Grace is in Sun Valley, uh, as you and I are about to find out. That's right. Um, and, uh, and, um, and so when I heard about this book, she actually, uh, my mother-in-law emailed me. Um, there was a, a just the introduction and first chapter were free online, and she emailed me and said, uh, I, "I think you need to read this." Um, and I wasn't involved in a Pentecostal church, but my uh, or charismatic church, but my um, my theology there was was weak, very very weak, um, and that was affecting my prayer life and the way that I prayed, and not knowing not knowing the attributes of the Trinity and how the Holy Spirit points people to Christ who redeems people to the Father and not understanding all of that in that book as well walks through the history of the charismatic movement. Um, and again, 
with scripture, mm-hmm. scripture, scripture, scripture. So both of those resources, defining deception and strange fire, um, are great, uh, great resources to check out. And then the gospel coalition, um, uh, they have a couple of fantastic, very well written, um, articles, um, uh, just again, warning people, stay away from this, you guys, yes. please just for the love of God. And that's said just like that for the love mm-hmm. of God in your soul, stay away from them. I mean, and, and because ultimately, man, look, anytime uh, J.I. Packer said that anytime we talk about God, I think I said this in our disclaimer, anytime we talk about God, we become a theologian. It's yep. up to us whether we become a good or a bad one. Right. Um, we, we have to be careful yes. um, about what we say because we're going to be held accountable for mm-hmm. it. Um, and Jesus said a couple of different warnings, um, multiple, but these two are always go through my mind whenever I open scripture and start talking about it or lead worship is it'd be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the sea than to lead one of my children astray. Mm. And then he also said elsewhere in scripture that it would have been better for you not to even been born for that to happen, for you to lead someone astray. So, um, yeah, it just fires me up. (laughs) I mean, I couldn't tell. I know. I I know. I always, but you know, I listened to uh, this week. I listened to a podcast by a guy named Matt. Uh, Matt Boswell was on there, and uh, he's a worship leader, worship pastor, elder uh, at a church in Texas. Has written some wonderful modern hymns uh, that I'm just starting to discover. Mm-hmm. But he wrote these things anywhere from 2010 to now, mm-hmm. um, and his his words and the way that he would talk about songwriting and leading worship um, were so gracious and grace filled and and. I hope mine come across that way when talking about this, but at the same time, there's urgency. Yes. Um, yeah. in, in, in warning people about this. Um, because I mean, I mean, especially with the urgency, because people are drawn to, to ministries like Bethel. They, they get hooked on the music. They get hooked on the teaching. Bethel has the supernatural, the the school of supernatural ministry. Then the kids go off to that school then their parents get involved in it. And it is just, it, it's sucking people in. And I mean, we've got to be careful. We've got to be discerning about what our friends are listening to. I mean, if they're listening to that, I mean, slap that junk away from them. You, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, again, I go back to uh, Christ's words in John um, about taking up your cross, mm-hmm. denying yourself. Yes. Is it Luke? Luke, Luke, Luke. Uh, denying yourself and following me. Um, look, I used to be a huge fan of that kind of music, mm-hmm. uh, of that kind of worship music. The vague, the the repeating, the this is how I fight my battles. 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 Times seventy five. Yeah. Um, I, I used to be a, a, a big fan of that, and I love the music. Again, I'm, I'm a. Whenever I hear excellent music, yeah. I'm just like, man, I appreciate that because I know what kind of work that took. Yeah. Um, but I have to die to myself mm-hmm. and go, it's not okay. And it's not about me. Right. Worship is not about me. It's about giving God praise. And he's very clear. He lays out in his word how he is to be worshiped. Um, and you look at the Old Testament. You look at the book of uh, it's, it's Ezra um, where <laughs> where strange fire happens. Mm-hmm. And, and three, or not, not, not then, but um, but but. God takes people out. Yeah. Um, look at the story of Uzzah and the ark. 
All he was doing was trying to catch, catch the it. ark. Keep it balanced. Keep it balanced. He didn't want it to fall because he understood the holiness of that, of the ark of the covenant. But but the problem is, is he is it wasn't done in the way that God that's said right. it has to be. That's right. And that's one thing I've heard John MacArthur talk about that is there's people that worship the wrong God, and then there's people that worship the right God in, in the, the wrong way. way. Doesn't the way he, he mm-hmm. unpacks that in the first chapter of the book when worship is wrong is mm-hmm. that section. Um, so, um, so I, th- there was a, there was a quote in there, um, uh, a, a, just a, a paragraph that I wanted to read. It says, "Worship is the is an expression of praise from the heart toward a God who is understood as He is truly revealed." The nature of worship, then, is to offer God worship from the depths of our inner being in praise, prayer, song, giving, and living, always based upon his revealed truth. The person who would worship God must therefore have a faithful commitment to the word of God. Worship does not happen by a zap out of heaven that makes us fall down. It is the overflow of our understanding of God as he is revealed himself in the scriptures. That is worshiping in spirit and in truth. I can't think of any better way to end this episode than with that paragraph. Um, so with that, that's our episode on on reckless love and just worship in general. Yeah. Um, but we want you to understand that this is this needs to go out as a warning about these ministries. Research the songs, yeah. study the lyrics, see if they're theologically accurate. Research the ministries, see what they teach about Jesus. Are they teaching the correct Jesus or are they preaching a false Jesus? Um, With that, we're going to close. This has been Matter of Theology, and we'll catch you on the next one. Good day.